Welcome to the Cleverly Changing Podcast. Our podcast is all about learning how to educate your kids. I'm one of the hosts, Elle, and this is episode 24. If you are a new listener, we are excited to have you join us. Welcome. I am an entrepreneur, mom to twin girls, and this podcast is not just for homeschool parents and their children, but for all parents who want to supplement their child's education. Our goal is to provide you with encouragement, insight about African history, and support as a parent and home educator. New episodes are uploaded bi-weekly, so please remember to subscribe and share. We also have a Patreon page that we would love for you to support. Visit the show notes page so that you can see how you can support this podcast so that we can continue it. Today's African proverb is, wealth, if you use it, comes to an end. Learning, if you use it, increases. And that's a Swahili proverb. It's now time for the word of the episode. Today's word of the episode is brought to you by the language Swahili. Kuji Chagalia means self-determination. Welcome to the Cleverly Changing podcast. This is now the Cleverly Cultured Kids section, and we are talking to our girls about unschooling and de-schooling. What does that mean? I have no idea. You have no idea? Amara, do you know what unschooling means? So if someone says, I'm not homeschooled, I'm unschooled. What do they mean by that? I think that means that you're being homeschooled, but just in a different way of saying I'm homeschooled. Okay. So what what would be different about it? You're not... Okay, well, I don't know. (laughs) Do you guys have a guess? I think it's when you, like, When you don't really use a curriculum, you just let the child learn on their own? So she said, when you don't use a curriculum, you just let the child learn on their own. And that's definitely close. That's basically what it is. Like there isn't a set curriculum where um, the parent just buys these books that say like sixth grade let's do all of this for sixth grade and it's one particular company and they're just doing everything in those books to say they completed the grade so that is definitely one way of looking at it um when someone says self-directed education that they're learning in a self-directed way what do you think they mean by that the child can like inquire on whatever topic they wish yes does anybody else have a an idea what being a self-directed learner is you're learning by yourself but with a little bit of help maybe yeah so you're learning about things that are important to you and things that interest you, and you're using that to help guide your educational experience. Do you think that your parents are your primary homeschool guide? Gives you an opportunity to unschool or learn in a self-directed way? Not really. Not entirely. I don't really know. I don't know. Like, maybe, but maybe not. So do you use a set curriculum? Kind of. What does kind of mean? Do you have, do you have a, a, like, a set books that you learn from for your grades? Yes. Yeah, we do. 
Where are those books? At school. We don't, they don't give us books. So, so pretty they much now. Teach us <laughs> Never mind. Layla. So, no. Never mind. You don't have a set curriculum. Yeah. We don't. But, but you do go to a co-op and they teach you certain lessons. So you're still learning information. You're still being guided and you're being presented with information and knowledge. So being unschooled, it doesn't mean that you're not learning at all, that you're just doing whatever. It means that you're learning things that are based on your own interest. What are some of the things, like you, when we talked about our goal setting, you guys kind of mentioned some things that were of interest to you. And do you feel like your parents are helping you follow those interests? Entirely. Uh, I mean, they're not like directly helping me in the goal rather than just buying me things to assist in it. So yes, they don't necessarily do the things with you, but they will get you. So if you say, hey, I need this in order, let's say you want to be an artist. So I need these special canvases and paint brushes and things. Will your parents supply that? Sometimes. Right. I I agree with Maya. Sometimes. Because like everything isn't affordable. So like you gotta you gotta like um improvise with stuff with other stuff so you can have the tools you need. Yeah. I think that's true. So you know, but you also have to think of it like this. If you ask and don't necessarily think if you ask, you're going to get it immediately, but you can ask and then you can give it some time. And within a certain amount of time, it can be provided. I think that's reasonable, right? Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So do you know what de-schooling is? No. I don't know what it means, but I think I, I have a guess. Okay. What's your guess? My guess is you were in home, you were in like a actual school and then you were homeschooled. Okay. And so that period in between going to a traditional school and being homeschooled, that in between period is kind of like a transition period. That is called de schooling. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay, that's pretty accurate. And so in that process, you're trying to kind of unlearn the same structure that you may have done at school where the subjects were laid out at certain times separately and you went from class to class. And because when you're at home, you may one day do math at eight and then tomorrow you may do art. And then, you know, it's not as stringent and as rigid based on rules for some homeschoolers, not all, but at home, it's not as um, laid out, it's not laid out in the same way as you would at school. And do you see the difference? I can see the difference because I went to a traditional school before I was homeschooled and there's obviously a difference because homeschooling it means that you're you're figuring out a schedule that works for you instead of having to work around a school like a traditional school schedule right because in a school they have a lot of kids that they have to teach so they have to come up with an efficient way to make sure everybody is getting that education whereas at home the primary focus is on you and your siblings if you have have siblings and not a whole classroom of kids. So that's what kind of makes it different, right? 
did you, because I know you two, you didn't go to a traditional school, so you don't necessarily have a period of time where you've done de-schooling. But for you, do you think that, um, because you went to school and then after Christmas break, you just didn't go back. You started to homeschool. So do you feel like during the Christmas uh, break that you were de-schooled? Is this is this question to me? Yes, because my girls, um, they never went to a traditional school. So to be honest, I don't know. I don't know. So maybe you were being de-schooled and you just didn't know, but you were given flexibility to kind of, um, you know, because when you went to school, you had to go to bed at a certain time. You had to wake up at a certain time because you had to catch the school bus, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you were homeschooled, those those time frames really changed in the way that you did things at home. And you noticed that, right? Yeah, because like when you are in a traditional school, you're away from home for about eight hours and you like you don't have to work on for hours at a time. Whereas for homeschool, if you just like forget to do something, then you can either do it the next day and have an extra thing to do or hurry up if or like hurry up and finish that before you do whatever else you want to do in that day. Okay. So here's a question for you girls. Is there something that you you want to be able to learn while you're being homeschooled? So like, is there a particular interest that you have that you feel like your parents need to give you more time to explore that? Not really. At the moment, I can't think of anything. Okay. So do you, what about you? No. Okay. So if there is, do you feel like you have a natural talent that you want to be able to to cultivate? So for me, my natural talent is speaking like I like public speaking we can hear that in your voice (laughs) and so while I'm home and I'm coming up with activities for me to do I sometimes look for speaking engagements and opportunities to use that talent now I know that as you know just knowing you girls I know that each of you have talents like um Creating different. Um, you, you had to think about yeah. it for a second. No, I was gonna laugh? say. I was wondering how to phrase it, like the little, um, yeah. the art things that you create on your phone. What are they like? Emojis and you create like graphic edits. designs. They're called edits. Edits. No. What are they called? So pretty much they're called no, edits. edits are different. Edits are like pictures. I don't like edits. Pictures I make, that you. I, with, and you put music I, I draw on my phone I don't make edits because I don't know how and I don't really know what they are I I draw on my phone and yeah I don't make emojis that doesn't make sense you can't really make emojis but actually you can but I if you if I were to make emojis I would need a, a iPad an iPad with the um Apple pencil okay so so I know that money. you girls, you, you make things on a computer and they're very creative. I don't. Do you feel like you, you should be cultivating that skill? It's easy. Well, we, we normally do that. I'm okay at it. I'm not the best, so I'm trying to get better so I can actually have content on my channel. <sighs> I'm not the best at doing my drawings and stuff that I do on my phone, but I'm getting better. And so that's what I'm currently working on. Okay. I try to spend every few moments that I have cultivating my, my talent, but yeah. So your talent is drawing. I wouldn't say it's a talent, but yeah. 
and I try and make the most of the the time I have doing that. Although it's sometimes, sometimes I will leave out space for other things I need to do. Okay. And I know that you have a talent of like music, choreographing different um, little skits and kind of um, like songs and stuff like that. (laughs) I don't think so. I think you do. I, I, you have a gift of creativity and imagination. Well, yeah, I do like to create stuff, but, like, not on the music side. I like to listen to music and dance to music, but, like, not really create music. Okay. What about um, sewing? Because you're very, very creative. Oh, yeah, I like sewing. That's fun. I have a sewing machine, and I'm taking a class for that now, so... Okay. Well, that's awesome. So as one of the, I guess, parental figures in you guys' lives, I I will definitely share this podcast so that the adults in your life know that what your talents are so that they can continue to cultivate them. Because, you know, education is really about learning things that you're good at and perfecting them and also exposing you to things that you may not even know about but in learning about them they may pique your interest so that you'll want to learn more and explore them so this time of academics and education is all about exploration and adventure. And so that's what we want to do in our homeschool. We want to make it a little bit more adventurous and give you, give you new opportunities to explore new things. Is there anything that you want parents to know about giving kids a chance to learn things that are interested, interesting to them? Well, you can expose them to different mediums and things and soon enough you'll find out what they like it it's not exactly the best method as it takes quite a lot of time but hopefully it'll work i think you should if you should if you give your child some freedom to do like i know parents probably already do that but like if you give your child a little more freedom than you already do Maybe they will find something they like to do and they'll tell you and you can try and encourage that more in what you're giving them to do for school. I like what you just said about encouraging your kids. Do you feel that your parents encourage you guys? Um, Would Mm you, (laughs) you do feel like they do encourage you or you Mm -hmm. would like to see more encouragement, more praise and more pointing out? things that you're doing well? I have a lot of encouragement, and um, thank you for that. I don't know. I really have an opinion on the amount of praise. I don't really like praise that much, but um, I, I just don't think there's not... There's sometimes there's not enough resources available currently, so yeah. When you say resources, you mean to do the things that are interesting to you? Yeah. So when you do, you ever say, "Hey, I need this app or this tool." No. Do you think if you told your parents, they would provide that? No, not really. Well, I think I think it could be helpful to tell your parents what you need so that together you all can figure it out. Okay. All right. And what were you going to say about it? Yeah. Amira, do you think that parents should give their kids more praise and encouragement? Well, yeah, because like... If you want your child to do well in something, then you have to encourage them. Even if you don't really want them to do it, you should still let them do it because you, you got to let your kids experiment with stuff. 
You're so right. Because it's important for kids to learn on their own and make mistakes sometimes. You're really a fan of unschooling. Do you think it's okay to make mistakes sometimes? Absolutely. Absolutely. We all do it. It's okay. It's a part of learning, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you, girls. I think you did an excellent job of communicating about unschooling because it's kind of like an abstract concept that for kids can be hard to really grasp. But I think you guys did a good job of really understanding how it relates to you. And thank you. Thank you for this conversation. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Wait. And that's all, folks. Enjoy your day. Welcome to another episode of the Cleverly Changing Podcast. We are really excited about today's guest, Akila. And so I am Elle and this is Miriam. And today we are going to be talking about self-directed education. So definitely listen in. And Akila, can you introduce yourself so that our readers, I'm sure many of them will already know you, but um, definitely please introduce yourself for those who may not know all that you do in the community. Sure, sure. So my name is Akila S. Richards, and I'm an unschooler. First and foremost, myself, my partner, Chris, and our daughters, Marley and Sage, who are about to be 16 and 13. We've been um, unschooling for, I don't know, since 2012, before we even knew that it was called unschooling. And um, I also host a podcast, an unschooling podcast called Fear of the Free Child, and um, a network called Raising Free People Network, where I collaborate with communities and individuals and collectives around what it means to raise our children outside of uh, harmful, toxic spaces, which often include conventional school. Awesome. So we want to ask you, you mentioned that you're an unschooler. What brought you to the unschooling side? I love that question. (laughs) Um, My children did. You know, um, Marley and Sage, when they Let's start with Marley because she's the oldest. When she got to the age where we put our children in school, she was really excited because she was a very, and still is a very sociable person, loves being around lots of people, very outgoing, very much our resident extrovert in our household. And um, so she was super excited about school. And when she started, she was doing really, um, you know, she took to it in terms of academically and was got labeled gifted and talented really early on. And then Chris and I were like really excited, the whole typical parents thing, like, oh my God, the school said we have a smart kid. Yay, let's do everything the school says to you know keep her smart. Um, but we started to realize over time that while she was thriving academically, emotionally she was not. She ha- She was becoming a different type of person. She was becoming apprehensive about asking questions. She was um, comparing herself to other children in ways that were really unhealthy. She was even, as a result of how the the teachers and the staff were giving her all this extra attention and labeling her the smart kid, it was causing a divide between her and other children. And she was looking sometimes at other children as less than. Like she, for example, she's like, well, why can't they read, mama? Like, why wouldn't they know how to read? You know, because of course, the, everyone around her was like, you can read, you're awesome. And, uh, you know, we had to sit and be like, well, your mom works from home. And so I had time to work with you on these things where someone else's parent might not. It doesn't mean that you're smarter than they are. It doesn't mean that their parents care any less because you don't see them at the school all the time or the kid can't read. So we started to recognize all of the different ways outside of grades that the schooling environment, which now I call schoolish culture, how those things were damaging for the whole person. And then when Sage, our youngest, started school shortly thereafter, there's a very small age gap between the girls, a very similar thing started to happen with her. And so they both were pushing 
saying that they did not want to go to school. And of course, Chris and I, particularly as like traditional Jamaican people, you know, coming here, migrating from the U.S. or from Jamaica and, you know, coming here with the idea that you come to get as much education as possible and all of that. We couldn't we couldn't even really hear them. We're just like, OK, honey, well, we'll talk to the teacher or you need to adjust and all the things we do. And then eventually we realized that we had to be available for the whole child, not just the student version of our kids. And so we eventually honored their request and stopped schooling and started to do homeschooling or school at home until we realized that we didn't need that either. Or Marley and Sage didn't need that either. They actually just needed space to learn more about how they learn and for Chris and me to observe how learning was happening and to support that. And so we very organically, over the course of a couple of years, transitioned from schooling to school at home slash homeschooling over to um, self-directed education, which unschooling is one type of self-directed education. Okay, well, since, you know, the children were pushing for a different style of education, did you all really have a difficult time, you know, honoring that request? Did you all go through any period where you had to, you know, struggle within yourselves, even just to figure out what's the next step? And of course, it, it took us two years, like two and a half years of them being in school and complaining pretty much from the very beginning before we even were like, oh, okay, I guess you could do something else besides school because in our brains, learning happened in school. You know, you needed a teacher, a certified, qualified person to teach you and you needed to go through these processes and you needed these books and blah, blah. So we, we call that de-schooling in the unschooling world and, and de-schooling is still happening for Chris and me and we've been doing this for years. So we struggled with it a lot. We, you know, we weren't clear about how learning would happen if they weren't in school. And even when we took them out of school, as I mentioned, we were doing school at home. We were still assigning them things. We were still doing testing. You know, we were still doing all of those things, believing that we needed to create an environment for learning to happen. So we definitely struggled with those, those things. And as the girls push back, we'll push back too. You know, like we just, because we, we thought that's how that worked. Kids didn't want to do all the learning stuff, but our job as their parents were was to like make them do it. So we did that for years, Miriam, until we, again, in the middle of doing all of that, pushing back and forth, we were also observing our daughters. And once we started to see the ways that they were learning outside of what we were giving them to do, and sometimes because we weren't, especially for me, I'm not like the most detail-oriented person, especially if it's something I want to do, like create a <laughs> lesson plan. I'm not going to be the best at like following up, okay, we're going to do this at 7 p.m. or 4 p.m., and then I'm doing it either half-stepping it or we forgot to do it that day. You know, the typical things that, that happen when you start homeschooling. And I, you know, in my mind, I was like, okay, I'm not doing a great job at this. They're not gonna learn nothing. They gonna be stupid. And then it turns out that not only, not only did they learn things, they were a lot sharper than I could have fathomed. They started learning new languages on their own. They started teaching us so much. We started learning more about their personalities and the ways that their personalities were indicators of the type of ways that they learn. We just started to de-school and learn more about schooling outside of a classroom, um, learning, sorry, outside of a classroom setting. And that over time is what, you know, sort of we worked with that instead of our fears and instead of the indoctrination from schooling. So yeah, we struggled, but we also learned a lot and that learning a lot is what oriented us towards self-directed education wow i think for me what you said about observing your kids i think that was so powerful because for me in my experience from the moment we had our kids that's when you start teaching them so yeah. that segue into self-directed education are just teaching your child from home is kind of natural because like you've been teaching your child all this time. Mm -hmm. So 
what the main, I guess, gift of homeschooling or unschooling or just being with your kids in a different way is that you get to observe them and you get to see how they learn best. And yes. so I love that um, you you mentioned something that I think I, I really value from the experience and that's I learn from them too. You know, Absolutely. it's not just a one-sided experience. It's, it's on both sides. It goes both ways. Yeah, yes. And, and for us, what's different from homeschooling as opposed to self-directed education is that I don't consider myself a teacher of my children. I'm not teaching my children, actually. Of course, there are things that they learned from me, just as like you and I, if you and I were spending, whichever one of us, Elle or Miriam, if we were spending time together in each other's physical space, we would learn from each other, same thing. And then because you and I are come from different places and have different experiences, there are some things that you could teach me about that I, could, that I wouldn't otherwise know anything about and vice versa, same thing. So when we talk about teaching our kids as people in self-directed education or unschoolers, there's no curriculum involved. Uh, we're not determining what they should learn. Even if we really, really, really think it's something that they ought to know, we don't enforce it. We introduce it. We do a thing called strewing where we bring different things into their environment. And so a lot of the work is about observation and not, not teaching, but learning because learning is something that someone does for themselves and they can select a teacher. And sometimes that teacher is me or Chris and sometimes that teacher is um, someone else or sometimes it's not a person, it's an environment that they need to be in. Sometimes it's completely intuitive and they don't need to be taught it, they just need space with it so they can learn it. So those are the type of observations that we have, you know, like all the different ways that teaching and learning happen outside of a constructed exchange i love it i think i think, right. <laughs> I think you know like, oh. it's like you can soak up so much what's funny to me is one of the questions that we get asked the most is what curriculum should we use and i know that unschoolers and self-directed um people who follow that method aren't necessarily into curriculum and i know that we don't we consider ourselves eclectic because mm -hmm. there are some things that we do want our kids to learn and we, we do, you know, kind of enforce Push it. Push them. <laughs> yeah. But at other times, I feel like we're very relaxed about it in general because mm -hmm. it's like we want them to be free. You know, I love where you talk about the freedom of it all. And I think as someone who was raised in, in traditional schools, it's hard to let go. And yeah. so do you have any tips for parents <laughs> who believe in the philosophy? Like we definitely, on one hand, we can do it. But then on the other hand, we're like struggling to let, let go. And yeah. be definitely. And I can so relate to that because that's exactly where Chris and I were in a lot of ways and in some ways still are. You know, again, it, it's, it doesn't ever, because we've all been, I call it indoctrinated into schoolish culture. Right. I don't know that we can ever fully release it, but just like any other responsibility you feel like you have, the, the fact that it's difficult has nothing to do with whether or not we commit and recommit to the decision to do it. And for us, when I, when I say us, I mean Chris and me, we really, it's not just about education. Of course, there are things that we really, 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 really want Marley and Sage to, to pick up and learn and focus on. But more importantly, we're cultivating a relationship with them and we're raising black women. So for us, the idea that we're raising black women who become accustomed to someone controlling aspects of their lives is unacceptable, unacceptable for us. And we do not want them to believe that because someone loves you and has power over you, that they get to determine what you do with your time um, or that they can better tell you how you learn than you because so many other things in our culture, in terms of society will tell them that, our job is to help them develop what I like to call confident autonomy. And confident autonomy means that they have the capacity to discern whether if we're pushing them in a certain direction to say, 
look, I know you don't have interest in this thing, but I really feel like at this stage in your journey, this is something that is critical. It's something that you may not love it, but you probably need to be introduced to it. They trust us because we don't force at this stage at 16 and 13, they trust us enough to say, okay, and they, they do it the same way that sometimes they push back against something and say, mom or dad, you need to trust that we're doing what makes sense for us. And if this doesn't work out, we have to trust that we can pivot in a direction that makes sense. And then Chris and I got to be like, oh, okay. You know, even though we really just want to use our power over and be like, no, you're going to learn this today. Like it, we're building, <laughs> it's more than learning. We're, we're cultivating a relationship of trust and confident autonomy. So my tip would be to, to think about the whole relationship and not just the information. There's an information exchange that we become committed to, but you're exchanging information with a whole person. And if you want them to be trust, to, to trust you and to feel also that they can trust themselves, a big part of that is to give them the room to not know something and to be like, is that gonna be okay? Because most times it is. Or for them to hit a brick wall and say, oh wow, I don't get this and that did feel crazy or I felt inadequate or whatever. And now I do want this information and for them to know that the way information works, especially today, you don't have to hoard and have all of it before you go out and do a thing. You can trust mm -hmm. yourself to develop skills and trust your parents and all of that along the way. So that's the major tip. Look at the whole relationship and not just the information. I like that tip, but the big tip came a long time ago. Can you say it again for the people in the back? Okay, so <laughs> when you were saying that we're raising black women who are already being told by the world that they're not enough and that they have to be lorded over mm -hmm. and teaching them how to exist within that world and not succumb to that. Ah, man. I sort can't of that narrative. No, you're, and you're doing great. Just that oh narrative, goodness. right? Like that narrative, that, that performative way of showing up. Yes, all of that. Like we perform for the white gaze. We perform for the corporate gaze. We perform mm -hmm. for all these different gazes. And some of them, we don't have a choice. Like when we talk about the legal gaze, you know, police, mm -hmm. and the, we don't have much of a choice in that one because that's a safety life issue. But in many other ways, we absolutely have a choice. And that's why we take our children out of school, whether we homeschooling, unschooling or whatever, we never start because we recognize the toxicity of that gaze and the way yeah. that we perform. So it's really important not to bring those same tools i call them tools of oppression bring are. those same tools of oppression right back into our household and then expect to raise free people because you can't mm -hmm. use tools of oppression to raise free people and you know that phrase came up because chris and i sure were trying to use the tools of oppression <laughs> <laughs> to raise free people and it just was not it's like well why why don't you feel comfortable doing it because you own my time that's why <laughs> you know and it's like ow oh, okay if we're gonna say we're raising free people, that freedom also needs to include ourselves. So what are some of the ways that we are oppressed by our fears and how are we transferring those to our children under the guise of education or parenting? And we all do it to some extent and unschooling is the process of recognizing that and, and doing the work to shift that. And then de-schooling is like the deeper work of really seeing how you as the adult it, all the ways that you are not free and how that lack of freedom is, is translating to your parenting style and what you can start to do about that. So I love that you pulled that part out, Miriam, because it's such a huge part of why we are huge. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, thank so you I, so much. So wise. <laughs> so wonderful. Yeah, <laughs> it is a lot of wisdom in, in what you say. And I mm -hmm. feel like when you were talking, for me, what stood out was the trust aspect. And I think while you're teaching them how to trust themselves, at the same time, you learn how to trust yourself. And I mm -hmm. feel like, I don't know, you know, too much about your background, but I know that for me, being the youngest, mm -hmm. um, I wasn't necessarily given a lot of space to trust myself. It, yeah. was, it was usually like people just told me what to do and I did it. 
Um, and with my kids, I wasn't that much of a risk taker on my own, but with my kids, I want them to be able to take calculated risks and be able to decipher and reason on their own. And I think in our culture, that can be frowned upon and you know in it some is. regards absolutely absolutely so how do you trust yourself to um to trust what you feel like is best and i guess like that's what you guys have done you you've um kind of reconditioned yourself so to absolutely speak. and i love that you asked that question thank you so much for asking it so I, we learned, and Chris will say the same thing and has said it on the podcast many times over when we do things um, in community live, we talk about how we learned those skills through being with Marley and Sage. They didn't need to be taught how to trust themselves, Elle. They know how to do that because mm -hmm. that's human. We, as the adults, from all different backgrounds, yours is based on being the youngest, mine is actually be based on being the oldest, like the level of responsibility that I had meant that I was just supposed to tap into like what is as opposed to like really feeling it through and developing something for myself intuitively. That came way later, like way, way later. And a huge part of how it came was from being around Marley and Sage and seeing the ways that they were not afraid to make a mistake because they hadn't had the indoctrination of, of feeling punished by not being right all the time because they were only in school for a few years. Mm -hmm. uh, we also saw their own de-schooling, the ways that they had to unlearn. And they talked about it. Marley in particular, as the older one, has spoken repeatedly um, about the ways that she is de-schooling from some of the schoolish ways that affected her just for the short time she had been in school. And then also that her parents you know, were two highly schooled people who um, really put certain things in her mind before we began unschooling. We were doing, you know, more, again, more conventional uh, homeschooling, and that had its own uh, harmful aspects because it said, oh, no, I'm, I'm trusting you, but I'm only trusting you like this. I'm trusting you to learn these things right here that I think you should learn. And she talks about how, how that was such a mixed message for her because it's like, well, do I cultivate a learning style that's for me or do I do what pleases you and then do what's for me like after that? You know, what? so I was like, oh, when she would ask that question, I'm like, I don't know, just study what I said to study. You know, and then after a while we had to really <laughs> reckon with that and be like, wait a minute, that's not, it, it can't be both. Like you can't serve both masters, like you can't. So, so we, for me, I learned to trust myself from seeing how Marley and Sage trusted themselves. And I was developing very slowly, very painfully <laughs> tools for dealing with my own fears. So in other words, whenever I had an issue with something I thought that they should be doing or should not be doing, I learned how not to make that their issue. I learned how to question myself and to go back and say, what is it about the fact that she just will not read the autobiography of Malcolm X, that's triggering me. And what do I think will change in life if I force her to read it to the detriment of our actual relationship? What, what is that about? What do I need to work on to shift that belief? You know, what if I trusted that the information wasn't just locked in this one book, but in several types of conversations and in different that to do that sort of that's what de-schooling is to not weaponize your feelings and fears and turn them into something your kid has to deal with but to really be introspective and to get with other adults like what we're doing here and being like girl what you do when you feel like this or what happens in this moment or your kids are older can you tell me if you didn't force them to do this how did that work out for you not that it's going to work out for us the same way but just for us to have examples so mm -hmm. that's that's what we learned how to do we learned how to view our fears as exactly what they were, not these valid things that meant that we could now tell our children what to do. It was something that we could work with to say, where are my self-trust issues and how are they manifesting in what I think my kids need to do so that they don't deal with the same things that I dealt with? Why is that potentially problematic? And what can I do differently? A series of those sorts of, call it mad question asking that, you know, we do these MQAs, just like ask yourself these questions alone with other people and then what you start to recognize is that a lot of the things that we do in the name of education 
are really just fear-based things that if we handle them, then we can really see how our children don't need the level of structure that we tend to put there. That's for us. That ain't for them. That's for us. Like nine out of 10 times, that's our stuff. Man, it's interesting how so many things that seem unrelated, like, do you trust yourself? Yes. It has absolutely everything to do with it, but it has nothing to do with school and learning, but it, right. it does, it's integral. So when you said, you know, teaching them to trust themselves, I was like, yeah, they do. They already know how to trust themselves. They come out knowing how to trust themselves. They tell you when they're hungry, when they pee, when they poop, when they're uncomfortable, when they're sleepy, and they're trusting exactly. the things that are happening. As they grow up, we're teaching them how to squash that and we're teaching them how to question themselves and not trust what they already, you know, inherently feel deep down. Exactly. And we're replacing like conversation, the things that, for example, when you have a little one and they, they know themselves, but then there are things they struggle with, like they might not want to take a nap and you know, they need a nap because they're cranky and they're itchy and they're saying all the things and you just know (laughs) they need a nap. So those things come up and we don't have to force, we have the conversation. We say, Marley, the reason that this is happening and you're, you know, you're receiving this like this because you're tired. So you're going to go into your room and you don't have to sleep if you don't want to, but you're going to be in that room for that stretch of time. And you really need to, you know, see what that feels like differently than if you just run around until you pass out by the fireplace somewhere, (laughs) see how that is for a couple of days and see if that makes a difference. Those are the things we did. And then they, in many instances, they self-regulate. I mean, so many instances, it floors me every time. Like for example, when we got to the point of when we remove bedtime, because it was very incremental for us unschooling because we're black and we're Jamaican. So we were very much like, you do this at this time, this time, this time. So we, it took us some years to really do that transition. And, and bedtime was one of the last things to go because we're like, that's crazy. Kids need to know when they need to go to bed. And I don't want to see them after this time because I'm tired. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so, so we got to the point where it's like, Mm-mm. If, we're, if we're raising people who are confidently autonomous, they also need to be able to recognize their own boundaries. I don't want them to be, you know, 20 before they understand what fatigue runs through in their body and what that looks like. They, they should do that in the safety of home. So we removed bedtime. It was very, very scary in my mind because it was my sacred time also and they were much younger yes. back then. So I'm like, oh my God, they're going to be like up and making sounds? Uh-uh. So, but we did it. And what we realized, like Sage, our youngest, she was like, bet, no bedtime? up turn up like she was up to like <laughs> stupid o'clock and we were like this is foolish we made a mistake here all the things but then come to realize over time she got really clear about what would happen when she needed rest in her body and as an artist she's very particular about how she uses her time and the time of day that she's doing these different things she self-regulated and then i also learned through another unschooling mama about Ayurveda and about people's different, um, like the makeup of people's bodies. They're called doshas in Ayurveda. And Sage mm-hmm. has a particular dosha that, uh, that, that people of that dosha, they fast often, which Sage does. And I've been trying to force her to eat something. And they also have periods where they don't need rest in the same way that someone with a different composition would need it. You know? So she was doing what was very organic for her. And because I was ignorant to it, I was trying to force her into something else. But had we not trusted the process, we, she and I would have had our own issue because I'd constantly be like, you need to go to sleep. And she'd be pushing back against that. But instead, we both learned something. And she now goes to bed whenever she needs to go to bed. And I don't care when she goes to bed. She doesn't need anything from me. She's happy. I'm happy. We're both in our own bodies, regulating our bodies. Now this is a skill that she understands about herself, you know? Yeah, I love that you brought it up because I think some families who don't regulate bedtime and give their kids that autonomy around when they want to go to sleep. I think some people just in American society is like, what? You, you're letting your kids run amok. You know, you're, you're, yeah. you're, you need to regulate that. That's what we're told. And I think, you know, just hearing you say that you allow your kids to um to regulate themselves in that way is kind of freedom 
And it, it like some mom somewhere just said, oh my gosh, I'm glad <laughs> that somebody else does this yes. because this is what feel com feels comfortable for me. And, you know, that's the whole thing about parenting. What works for one family right. may not be what's best for another. Like you yeah. have to find what is comfortable for you and your kids and your your family. So absolutely, absolutely. And you have to be honest about what your needs are because for some parents they might feel like that's not something that I'm prepared to do because it feels like it might cost more turmoil than good because again like for me where that time was so sacred and I was so scared that I was just going to be horrible to everybody in all the land because I needed my my sacred time to really look at that and say okay that's important to me and it and I don't need to like sacrifice my whole life for my kid to be as free as possible I can have a conversation with my kid and say I do want you to have this space whether they're seven or 17 or, or six or five or whatever that's the other thing people feel like kids might not know or they might not be able to accept it yeah they can because i know people my age who can't understand basic stuff that ain't because they're little that's because people are talking and i'm like they ain't got no sense so it's like you can have these conversations at different levels and talk about what your needs are as the adult because unschooling is not a free for all they do whatever they want and you try to figure out how to make it okay that's not that's not how that works that's a different thing that we see lots of white families do that we paint everything as the picture of unschooling what unschooling means is that we're partnering it means that i want my child to have practice with owning their body owning their time owning their learning experience knowing how to tap into the resources around them like me and their father and the community for what they need um, knowing how to hold their boundaries, how will they learn all of that if we're regulating those things for them, you know? Right, right. And I think that's the perfect segue into our next question, which is, can you explain how self-directed -direct education is different from free-range parenting? Yes, when you asked that earlier, I was like, yes, please ask that question. <laughs> so to be like super duperty candid about it, and I'll give you this candid generalization and we can go a little bit further. The free range one, that's like the white people version, right? And of course, that's a generalization. It's not all white people. But generally speaking, it's those sort of like, my children should do whatever they want and there there isn't a level of regard about how that affects other people mm -hmm. it there's it's just about freedom it's freedom without responsibility what we are talking about when we say self-directed <laughs> education we are freedom and responsibility are two you know it's two different sides of the same coin they go together so it's not a do whatever you want it's self-directed education just means that it is derived from your interests and your curiosities and that you're not being forced to do anything but it also does not exclude a responsibility to the people around you what we call community so in our household community starts with just the four of us me chris marley and sage community also extends to grandma and grandpa, or if they're in an agile learning center, which is a self-directed education center, and my girl spent about a, a year there, then it means the other students in the self-directed education center, as well as the adults, the facilitators. Community means all these different things, and so your actions, you are free, but in that freedom, you also have a responsibility to your community. So if you feel like you're so free that you can't wash no dishes, and other, which means that other people in your community would have to pick up your slack. That's not what unschooling or self-directed living and learning looks like. Because in that instance, you would have a conversation with the people in that community and say, this isn't working for us. What needs to happen? Why is it that you don't wash the dishes? Is it the time of day? Do, can we shift something to make that easier? Or what are the consequences that are inherent in you not doing your job? Not a punishment, but the consequences, because a punishment comes from a person. A consequence comes from when you don't hold your own in a space, and then there are things that are inherently lost in that. So those are some of the ways that they're different. One of them tends to be more of like a, a free-for-all without the level of responsibility. Mm -hmm. And then self-directed education is very much about, in a community, how does each person live and learn in ways that do not 
compromise that person's needs, but also don't encroach upon what needs to happen for the community to, you know, for everyone in that community to feel safe and heard and seen. Does that make sense? Yes, respect and responsibility are yeah. two key factors in self-directed education that Absolutely. may not be so much in the free-range activity. Right, and, and the terms are interchangeable because I love the term free-range. I actually really appreciate it because I, I love the idea of thinking of a farm and I love the idea of thinking of animals roaming and people, you know, like this ecology of different things that do what what they need to do organically and that it can work together organically as opposed to school where it's so standardized standardized where it's like these are the things that work anything else is a problem so we can reclaim that just like unschooling is a term that i love it a lot of people don't like it because it sounds like it's anti-schooling i like it because it absolutely disrupts the idea that schooling is where learning happens mm -hmm. but we also don't need to buy into what we've seen in white culture and say, oh, well, this is what it is, so we can't do it. Freedom is not a white thing. It's an everybody thing. Right. Everybody. Okay, so let me ask this question. So for anyone who is, you know, kind of not sure how they really feel about unschooling, if it's something that would or would not work for their families and lifestyles, are there any um, books, articles, anything that can, you can suggest to help yeah. them, you know, figure out how to test the waters. Absolutely. Yes. Um, so the first one, particularly for my homeschooling fam, is to just the, the simple act of doing less, right? So before we even get to the external resources, let's talk about the resources that are right in front of us already um, to do less. So if you have a curriculum and there are particular aspects of it that you already know tend to be the one where your kid pushes back against it, stop doing that one. Like just try that. Just, just simply try that. Um, because what happens is the more room you leave for observation, right? The less of the, the space that you fill with the things you think they should be doing and the more room there is, the more room there is for you to start to recognize, oh, that's, that's a me problem as Marley likes to say, that's the you problem. Mm -hmm. um, that, that, um, that's some of the, that's the first thing that I would say, where are some opportunities for you to stop doing the most so that you can start seeing what's really happening? That's the first thing. Um, the second thing, of course, I'm going to say raisingfreepeople.com, which is my website because the podcast is there and on the podcast, there are more than 150 episodes of interviews with families who do this. And they're all black, indigenous, and people of color. We have a few white folks on who also support BIPOC families because that's how we roll on Fair the Free Child. We absolutely center ourselves because it's important. Um, so you'll hear from a bunch of different families who do this in a bunch of different ways. Because as you said, Elle, it's, it's not like a one-size-fits-all thing. It looks different ways for different families. So I would say listen to those episodes. Um, some people have books they recommend. I'm not really into that. Um, but if you can also always look up unschooling books. I also have a book coming out. But I like for us to think outside of just reading because that's also a very schoolish idea that if you're well-read, then you'll be well-informed. Not for everybody. I'm, I'm a reader, but not everyone is, and not everyone needs to be. But I am coming out with a book called Raising Free People, <laughs> and it'll be out in the fall of this year. Um, and also the Alliance for Self-Directed Education. I'm a happy, proud board member of that organization, and it's self-directed.org. Um, it was organized by a few of us, including Dr. Peter Gray, who a lot of people will recognize that name from researching self-directed studies and how learning happens. If that's a group of us who our full commitment is to normalize self-directed education for any family in terms of access um, and what it looks like. So if you go to that website, you can read a bazillion and one articles if that's what you're into. You can join the forums and talk to people in your city. We have an initiative now about local SDE groups so that you can form or join a group that's in your city. So those are some of the tools for you to kind of get your feet wet and start to feel it out in community. That's awesome. And I, I just want to say that for um, 
for us, for both of us, I think when uh, when you started your journey, Miriam, your podcast was one of the podcasts that I was like, you have yes. to listen to this. Oh my God, I was in love, man. <laughs> I've listened <laughs> from you know season one, and it's been very right um, beneficial and eye opening, very reassuring. Good that some of the thoughts and feelings and questions that I was having, you know, it's normal, and that you know, it doesn't have to be this way. You know, just to be able to open my mind to the idea that <laughs> it's not it's not a prescribed yes yeah it doesn't have to follow these exact rules doesn't have to look just like this sure doesn't that's not even how people work that's not how people work. It, right, because I was thinking, you know, how do I learn? If I want to learn how to crochet a hat, I will pull up a YouTube video and I'm going to work that hat out. That's so right. why do I need to, you know, make one of my children learn the history of yarn and how the wool is pulled and spun? Exactly, and unless they actually want to. <laughs> right? Because if they're interested in it, they're going to want to. Like Sage actually knows those things because she's, deeply into needle arts of all forms so she can actually tell you the history of wool that doesn't make her any more intelligent than another child who can't tell you that at all but can tell you something else that they're deeply into that's mm -hmm. the thing we don't have to force it because if they're interested they go in yes. in okay in and then they want the whole world to know because that's how humans work we all work like that different versions of that so there's nobody that this isn't for it's just a matter of what it would look like because some unschoolers also use curriculum. Marley likes curriculum for certain things and she'll let you know so we can just use it, you know? So it just really is like whatever works for your kids. Right, I, I actually don't like curriculum. I don't think either one of us like curriculum. Yeah, um, I'm not a big fan, but <laughs> I see how it can be beneficial in certain spaces, in certain instances, how it can be It can be, be restrictive. Yeah, um, exactly, it almost always is. Yeah, and some, and again, some children will choose that. That's the thing that we need right. to remember. That structure, it doesn't mean there's no structure. It means there's emergent structure. The structure emerges as a result of organic connection, not something that is enforced. That's all it means, yeah. So we have one question left for you. And the question is, what educational legacy do you want to leave with your daughters? Mm. Um, so one where they embrace confident autonomy, one where they know that the legacy is the fact that they can make decisions about what they want to learn and what that process looks like with confidence and in community and with all the sense of, uh, you know, competence and connection that there is. So yeah, what, that's basically what it is. I want them to have that confident autonomy to be able to learn whatever it is they're into and to be able to tap into community to make that happen. Mm, that's beautiful. Please, you already kind of did, you know, do the self-plug, but can you just give us briefly where our listeners can find you, social media platforms. You already mentioned your website, but feel free to go ahead and say it again. And, you know, <laughs> and we will leave it in the show notes as well. So if people go to the show notes, we'll definitely leave it printed there, but we want you to go ahead and say it again so everybody can know where they can follow you. Yes, thank you. Raisingfreepeople.com is the hub. Um, and on Instagram, I'm at Fair of the Free Child, which is the podcast, and it's F-A-R-E, um, as in the cost of raising a free child. We also recently started a Facebook group for the podcast so that we can go into each episode far more deeply. Um, I'll send you that link so that could be on the show notes page. It's FOFC Podcast. And then lastly, I'm on Patreon because my network is a donor-run model and really excited to have I think now maybe 115 patrons who make sure the show can happen every week. And that's patreon.com forward slash Ahila. Awesome. 
Well, it's been a true pleasure, a true honor to have you on our podcast. And I, I just feel like you're always full of a wealth of information. And I know that our listeners have enjoyed the conversation just as much as us. Indeed. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm just so happy that you all are doing this. You know that I believe that anybody sensible should have a podcast. Like, <laughs> I'm always pushing people to podcast. I think we don't have enough, believe it or not, podcasts, especially about this work of you know raising our children and ourselves in liberatory ways. I'm always excited to be part of that. So thank you so much for having me. Thank you for doing what you all are doing. And I absolutely enjoyed the conversation. Just felt like we were hanging out on the couch, chatting <laughs> and laughing, which is so important. <laughs> So that's awesome. Thank you so much. And we wish you the best. We wish uh, Chris and the girls, you know, just listening to your podcast, it feels like. We're one of the family. I know. <laughs> yeah, I, I know you guys. It. Like you guys are our cousin. <laughs> that's the whole point. That is the whole point. So you saying that is a wonderful affirmation. Thank you so much. All right. Well, take care. Thank you.